Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Star Sports Podcast presented by First Federal. It's Wednesday, September 28th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. It's been quite a while since both major college programs in Kansas have been good together, but that's where we are, at least through the first month of the season. Kansas State entered the top 25 poll this week after winning at Oklahoma on Saturday. The first team outside the poll, that's Kansas, which is off to a 4-0 start. The teams don't play each other until the final week of the regular season. Wouldn't it be fun if the fortunes continue and the stakes were high for that game? On today's show, we'll talk to the beat writers, Kellis Robinette, who covers the Wildcats, and Gary Bedore, who's been following the Jayhawks. We cover many topics with both reporters. Let's get started. Well, Kellis, you had an interesting game to cover last Saturday. That was, um, I don't know if it was unexpected. I, I think people who follow Kansas State as closely as you do, and, and to a lesser extent, me and others, had a feeling that something could happen because we've seen it before. Definitely. Um, and I thought it was interesting leading up to the game. Um, people asked me, uh, you know, Kellis, Kansas State's got no shot here, right? I was like, no, no, I wouldn't say that at all. I mean, is it probable? Maybe not because Oklahoma was looking really good. But look what's happened traditionally when Kansas State plays Oklahoma under Chris Kleiman. They win. They, 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 won there, they won here in 2019. They won there in 2020. They barely lost here in 2021, and then they go down there and beat them this time. There's just something about playing the Sooners that brings the best out of Kansas State. And the only real criticism anybody had about Kansas State heading into that game was just the offense. The passing part of the offense was dismal. Adrian Martinez was not looking like himself. For whatever reason, he wasn't throwing the ball downfield. He wasn't being aggressive. He just, for whatever reason, decided he was going to come in here and beat this guy who never turns the ball over. He gives the ball to Deuce Vaughn. That was everybody's complaint. Quit doing that. Play like you did at Nebraska. Sprinkle in some highlight plays in there. And, and you know, then all of a sudden Kansas State could be fine. And that's what happened. He, you know, um, he went from Bruce Banner to the Hulk in this game. And it has almost 400 yards, five touchdowns, one of the best uh, fourth, fourth quarter scrambles you'll ever see for 55 yards size the game. So kudos to him to dig deep down and find that because that that was the difference. Had the old had the Martinez we'd seen in the first three games gone out there and played, they lose and they lose badly. But he comes out and, and plays like that, they win. That's the difference. I I, I wouldn't have say I, I won't say I totally saw it coming because I only picked Kansas State to cover the spread. I didn't have the uh, the stones to to pick the win. But to to say they had no chance, people maybe were um, reading a little bit too much into the two lane loss. Yeah, for sure. Um, that that 55-yard run, too, came on a third and 16. That was pretty amazing. I don't know if that was a, the original play call, but Martinez saw it open up when he went back to pass. And uh, Well, he, it, it was funny because it, it looked almost so effortless, maybe not effortless, but rehearsed. You know, he, he decided so quickly to run. My first question to Chris Kleiman after the game was, was that play a designed run? You know, it's third and 16. Let's Vince Young this, drop back like we're going to pass, but then run. There's no way we're throwing the ball. They have said both after the game and then at his weekly press conference this week that that play was most definitely um, supposed to be a pass. They have four receivers, all going vertical routes. Whoever can get open, let's throw beyond the sticks and hopefully get it. Um, but, yeah, Adrian said he, he got back. He knew kind of the guy he thought might get open when he looked and saw he was covered. He looked and saw whoever was supposed to be spying in the Oklahoma's defense just was out to lunch and said, well, I'm just going to run this. 
I mean, two seconds in, feels the pressure, takes off running. Great read by him. Great run by him. It is interesting. Brent Venables, after the game, said that they most definitely had a spy on Adrian Martinez in that play. But if you go back and look, there is no one near him. So miscommunication there. Bad play by them. Great play by Kansas State. Yeah, they had a spy on him. He was spying someone else because um, Martinez uh, made it – you're right. He, he made it look like a, a, a design – a well-called design play. And uh, just – and, and how about the fact that he slid to keep the clock rolling, you know, not to go out of bounds when, you know, when the play was over. I thought, again, just an awareness on his part. And we hadn't – we just hadn't seen the – the best version of Adrian Martinez. You and I've talked about it a lot. The, the, we saw him make good plays, big plays at Nebraska. And those had been very few in the first three games, and especially against Tulane when they really needed it. He had a season's worth of big plays against the Sooners. It was, uh, it was for Kansas State fans, it just had to be fantastic to, to see. And I would say just based on social media observations that the demeanor of the K-State fan has changed in a week, <laughs> but that is, the, um, that is the nature of social media. Yeah. Well, that's the nature of social media. That's the nature of being a fan. Um, the craziest thing to me about all this um, is that Adrian Martinez went into this game with what I would say maybe a third of the Kansas state fan base um, saying it's probably time to make a QB change or at least think about one. After the game, he has better Heisman odds than Deuce Vaughn right now. Better than Vaughn. Unbelievable. Who also had a good game, by the way. Yes, yes. He had a great game. (laughs) That's funny. Um, All right. Let's let's look ahead to Saturday's game uh, against Texas Tech. I love that uh, the two teams that beat Oklahoma and Texas are now squaring off in a week. What are we at? Week five, I guess, right? Week five of the season. Um, before we talk about the game itself, I loved that uh, your your story that uh, about the game time, uh, the 11 a.m. kick. It, uh, this was not assigned by a network. This was Kansas State's choice to make it an 11 a.m. kick. How does that work? Yeah, it, it's interesting. Um, in today's age, most games are dictated by TV TV networks. To maximize, uh, you know, the money you get from them, basically, the Big 12 says, hey, ESPN and Fox, we'll let you choose the game times. You air them whenever you want, but you just give us more money for that control. Um, and that is the case whenever a game is selected for traditional TV. But whenever it gets kicked down to ESPN Plus, Big 12 Now, whatever you want to call it, the home team gets to decide when it's played. And that was actually one of the reasons that, um, you know, initially when some fans had some pushback against this, the university said, well, there is a benefit here. We can schedule the game whenever we want. It can be convenient to fans, convenient to us. You won't have games at just ridiculous times. Traditionally, 11 a.m. games are only scheduled for TV. So it was a little curious this time that they went that route. They've been, this is going to be the third time they've been on the plus this season. First one they played at 6 against South Dakota, which makes sense. You want to get your fan base there at 6 o'clock. The next one is against Tulane. I believe that was a 2 o'clock kick. Same deal. Uh, middle of the afternoon game, a little bit diversity. This time they said, well, we, we had two picks for ourselves and our fan base. This time we'll let our coach, our football coach decide. And I think he very immediately said, I want this as a morning kickoff. Our team plays best in the morning. Look what we did against Missouri when they came in here. Um, and basically the thought process behind that is that uh, you're not waiting around the hotel all day to play. 
It's just wake up, go play football, then start focusing on the, the next game the next week. So this was once where um, the university, it's, it's funny to think about this, but the university actually decided a kickoff time based on when it helps their team the most, not on when they can sell the most tickets or when it will be on TV. You don't see that very much anymore. That, that is really interesting. And that happens in the Big 12 often because of Big 12 Plus, because of the streaming service that uh, that's prevalent in the Big 12. So I, I, I found that uh, uh, eye-opening when, when I read that. I, I knew that schools had the opportunity to choose the game times when they're on the streaming service, but the reasoning for that, uh, I hadn't heard of, I hadn't heard that. And and uh, look, that's kudos to Chris Kleiman for um, for recognizing that his team seems to perform well earlier in the day. And uh, and 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 yeah, I think fans have to give him this one and and don't complain about 11 a.m. start. And for some fans, that's for those, especially those that have to drive. It means you know setting the alarm clock early in the morning. If you're coming from Kansas City, you know it's a two-hour drive, and you want to avoid traffic, so you're leaving. You know, you're leaving at seven, seven a.m., eight, eight, you know, seven thirty or something. But, uh, but then you're over. The, the day's finished. Uh, you go watch college football at you know the evening games when you when you play at eleven. Okay, Texas Tech is the opponent. What a great victory for the Red Raiders last week. I got to listen to that game um, on satellite radio where I was, and quite exciting uh, in Lubbock. So exciting actually that the fans stormed the field and the Big Twelve reprimanded and and, and fined Texas Tech. I think it was fifty thousand dollars for, for for the post game episode. But hey, um, the, the the kind of the rationale I heard in Lubbock was might be the last time Texas Tech ever plays in Lubbock. Hmm. Um, and and you got to think about that in these games against Oklahoma and and Texas. I thought about it left after uh, after K State won. That's that might be the last time K State plays in Norman, and they would get out of there with a victory. So. Uh, those are, like I said, considerations now when you play those teams as they're off to the SEC at some point. But Texas Tech three and one, their loss was to North Carolina State a couple of weeks ago. They didn't play well in that game, turned the ball over four times. But I think for the most part, it's been a pretty nice season for the Red Raiders, and uh, and their quarterback's playing really well. He didn't, you know, he wasn't the guy they expected to be the guy entering the season, right. uh, Donovan Smith. But I. Is he, is he lead? Did I see this right? He's leading the Big 12 in passing, or he's, he's, he's up at the, mm-hmm. near the top. Yeah, in, in pure passing yards, I don't think it's per attempt, but in pure passing yards this season, he's the only Big 12 quarterback with 1,100 plus yards. So it's kind of incredible when they, uh, when they're the guy they were planning to start at quarterback went down. I thought they'd have problems, uh, but they ran it up against the FCS team they played. They beat Houston in overtime. North Carolina State, like you said, not a very good effort by them. But, hey, then you turn around and make up for it against Texas. Um, I think there's a rule, regardless of how many times um, Texas is uh, still going to come to your place. I think in Lubbock, the rule is if you beat Texas, you have to, to storm them. You have to do something fine-worthy after the game. Um, I mean, I think back to when uh, Texas Tech was hosting Texas in basketball last year, and it was the, uh, the Chris Beard epic game. We just The whole arena was filled with hate. Oh, my goodness. Um, I mean, uh, whew, they, they do not like the Longhorns in Lubbock. So um, that does not surprise me one bit. But one quick story about listening to uh, sat- games on satellite radio. I did the same thing as you last week while I was driving to Norman. Uh, caught pretty much all the KU game. I, I enjoyed that. Um, and it was funny. I mentioned this because you were in Auburn for the epic Missouri meltdown. I didn't realize that that was like going to overtime or whatever. So I was when I realized that that was a good close game, I was trying to find it. 
And I didn't catch it in time. By the time I finally found the station it was on, all I heard was the reaction of the poor Missouri radio people uh, like seconds after the guy fumbled the video end zone, they're just in utter disbelief. Oh my goodness, we lost! Like they were just no words. We lost. I can't believe this. We lost. Yeah, I don't know how you. I don't know how you. I don't know how you call that. I, I don't know how you, you you hide the total you know chagrin of the of the way that that loss first you know the first words out of your mouth are what happened. It's the next words that you wonder. How do you explain to your fans? Mm-hmm. You know that you know your your star kicker missed a 26 yarder that would have sent it uh that would have won it uh instead it goes to overtime and then a running back your best running back fumbles without being touched as he's approaching the end zone that would have won the game in overtime i've never seen a game end quite like that and and so you and i exchanged texts and you reminded me of that um we're getting a little, little off track here but i i just thought it was such a great memory of yours because it, it i absolutely remember because i even wrote about it later that um Baylor once lost a game I think UNLV was the opponent when the Baylor coach Kevin Steele this was early in the Big 12 era Kevin mm-hmm. Steele was trying to make a statement they had already they already had the lead and could have took it t- they could have taken knees to end the game uh, and, but they're at the shadow of the goal line and Kevin Steele wants to make a statement about how tough Baylor football is as his running back try to score on a, on a you know short uh, yardage situation, he fumbles, and UNLV returns the fumble a hundred yards on the final play of the game <laughs> to beat Baylor. And uh, that I that was I can remember that was a that was a late game, and so I didn't know about it that night. I didn't know about it until the next day. And that was the talk of college football the next day, uh, the entire sport. That's about the only thing I can compare that to, just having the game totally in your hand and literally fumbling it away. I, that, those were both something. I'll tell you what, and, and while we're on it, just the appreciation for satellite radio on days like that when you're driving, um, gosh, it's, 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 you know, it's when, you can't, when you can't see it on television, satellite radio is a pretty cool thing, especially in a situation where – like it was with Texas and Texas Tech, the the Texas broadcast, you know, Craig Way and those guys were on one station and Texas Tech was on the next station. So I'm going back and forth, depending on who had the ball um, and, and then trying to get both after a, you know, after a big moment of the play. Um, I, I really do appreciate uh, Sirius XM on, on, on Saturdays when you're in a car uh, driving around. So and and for me, I'm driving back to Atlanta and I'm listening to you know, to, to, to Stan and, and, uh, and Wyatt, uh, but I've got to see this. So I pull into a, a, a brew pub and get a sandwich and a, and a frosty one and watch the second half of Oklahoma, there you go. Kansas state. It was a great way. Had all these other crappy games going on, you know, Ohio state was crushing somebody was, was it was I can't remember they were crushing all these other crappy games going on, but the whole bar, really got interested in, in Oklahoma, Kansas state because of the way that ended, but all right. So um, yeah, let's talk a little bit more about, uh, about tech and, and what they, what they could bring and how, how, you know, what kind of, what kind of threat is Texas tech to K-State? Well, it, this whole game is interesting to me because you could really call it the hangover ball. You've got the teams that beat Texas and Oklahoma last week, now trying to play each other. I would say probably you would think the team that would handle it better is Kansas State because A, they're at home, and B, they already kind of learned from beating Missouri and then showing up the next week and getting beat by Tulane. 
So you'd think they would realize don't overlook anybody. Um, Texas Tech might not understand that yet, so we'll see. But I, I did like that their coach after the game had a, a speech where he wasn't talking talking up beating Texas. He was going out of his way to say, um, you know, we're one to know in the Big 12. And if anybody wants to win this league, they got to go through Lubbock, which I've never, <laughs> I've never heard that expression before. The Big 12 runs through Lubbock really in anything. So maybe they mean business. I don't know. Um, but when you get into just the X's and O's, I think it's an interesting matchup because um, te- both, te- both teams kind of play into it, each other's disadvantage. Texas Tech is really good in run defense. They only allow 3.2 yards per run. So if they can bottle up Martinez and Vaughn, that's an issue. Could force uh, Adrian to try to beat him with his arm. Uh, flip side, Texas Tech really doesn't run the ball, ball very much. They like to throw it. And this is uh, another thing that interests me about this game is that uh, Texas Tech traditionally is probably the fastest team in the country. They got 100 plays off last week against Texas, which is just crazy. 100 plays, wow. Um, But Kansas State this year, you know, normally when they've gone up against the Raiders, they see that do the exact opposite and go super slow and grind the game down and try to frustrate them with these, you know, 18 play drives. That's not what they're doing anymore. Colin Klein likes to speed up. I was shocked that even at Oklahoma in the fourth quarter of that game, when normally when a lot of teams would be in clock killing mode, they were going up tempo, trying to score and, and, uh, you know, keep a two possession lead on uh, Oklahoma. So they're, they're going to, you know, maybe not go pedal to the metal here, but they're going to go faster than we've seen in the past. So could be a lot of points um, if Kansas state uh, doesn't make, doesn't come up with turnovers. Um, and yeah, like, like I said, if both teams are on their a games, it's going to be, uh, I think it'll be entertaining, but if one team comes in and is hung over, then that's where you could maybe get a little separation. Okay. What I heard there was Kellis says pound the over. Uh, <laughs> I say that, but uh, we'll see. What is the over 57 and a half? Yeah. Uh, you know, that sounds all right. Reasonable, right? That's 75 last week in Norman, 30. 75 points in Norman. So yeah. Yeah. 31, 31, 27. I can see that. I can see that score. Maybe 34, 24, something like that. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. Yeah. You've you've talked me into it. There you go. Over. Good bet. (laughs) Um, So uh, yeah, with, with, with Oklahoma and Texas losing last week, uh, Kansas continuing to win tech with its, you know, with with its league victory, uh, the big 12 standings after just everybody's either played one or no games in the big 12, but I get, first of all, nobody's going nine and oh in the big 12 this year. And I, I don't, you know, with the losses now that, that tech and OU have had be easier for OU to bounce back and get into the, you know, get into the, the, the college football playoff, but we may not get that from the big 12 this year, but we're going to have a heck of a season. It seems to me um, with, with Kansas, obviously a changed team and a changed program tech, you know, picked, I think eighth or ninth with the ability to, you know, to beat Texas, uh, even West Virginia, which lost at home to KU, comes back and stomps Virginia Tech and Blacksburg and, and takes on Texas this week. And they actually play Texas really well. We talk about how K-State matches up with Oklahoma. West Virginia's got kind of that thing with Texas going on, too. So I don't know, Callis. I, it's, it's, it's great when the Big 12 has a team in the national championship race. I'd like to see what it's going to be like going into weeks, you know, 10, 11, 12 with you know, six teams vying for the top two spots. Yeah, uh, this league this year has the potential to have a lot of carnage and the race to get into that championship game could be very interesting because like you said, 
unlike years past, teams can't just look at KU and Texas Tech and say, you know, that's pretty much a free win. You got to go out and earn it this year. So that jumbles the standings a little bit. Texas, you know, without Quinn Ewers throwing uh, like the former number one recruit in the country, and he's actually out right now. Um, you know, they're no juggernaut. Oklahoma, we saw last week. Uh, they're good, but, uh, you know, a step away from great. And those teams have to play each other again. They've already got a loss. So, you know, one of them is going to have two losses. I think if, if anyone has a shot at the big at the college football playoff this year in this conference, I think it's the winner of the Oklahoma State Baylor game this week. Um, I think both those teams have the potential to, to do it. I think Oklahoma State a little bit better because they don't have a loss. Uh, Baylor already lost to BYU. They can get by that, but I think Oklahoma State with their offense and everything would have a better shot. And if you're really, really looking for a sleeper, TCU, they get Oklahoma at home this week. If they, I'm not saying they will. If they win, they'd be looking with that offense, they, they'd have a shot to, you know, maybe have just one loss. But again, that's uh, – that's yeah. uh you know we're rolling the dice on that one right but those right. would be the teams i would say would have a prayer well, well and we'll talk about it as the season continues but um who do you like in oklahoma state baylor uh team i think that's number nine against number 16 this week but what, what do you yeah think? uh that's a tough one um i i, I was impressed I, with baylor winning at, at, at ames last week is uh, you know not a, it wasn't easy it was a seven point game but i just thought baylor controlled mm-hmm. it and that's that's not that's not easy to do in ames yeah, I was impressed with that, too. I liked Iowa State in that spot. Um, I didn't love Baylor's offense coming into the game, but they they had things cooking. They moved across the 50 pretty much in every drive, took advantage of their scoring opportunities. Um, I think they're maybe the most balanced team in the league. They've got a good defense. Their offense is catching up with it. Oklahoma State's kind of the opposite. They've got one of the worst defenses, but they've got the best offense, maybe, with Spencer Sanders coming back. Um it's a tricky one because Oklahoma State's coming off a bye. You know, what did they do during that time? Did they, did they break out anything tricky for Baylor? Um, at the same time, Baylor, isn't this the game? I think Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State had like seven turnovers against this team last yes, season and yeah. lost. So, whew, I don't know. Um, I'd probably go Bears there. I think so. Yeah, I, I think so, too. This is the, this is the opponent that Saunders, Sanders had seven of his 12 interceptions against last year. They played him twice, of course, in the Big 12 title game. So um, Sanders has not, or Baylor has, has, has played them well. And, and Baylor played really good pass, great defense last week up in Ames. So I'm with you. I'm going with Baylor this week. So, all right, Kellis, I've taken way too much of your time. We got to get Gary Bedore on this show to talk some KU football. They're still playing pretty well. We'll see if that continues against Iowa State. So, all right, Kellis, we'll, we'll talk again next week. You bet, Blair. Buying your first home is a huge milestone, but the journey there can be confusing. First Federal Bank of Kansas City is here to make it simple. After nearly a century of serving the KC community, our loan advisors have experience in every type of housing market. With a short phone call, we can give you a free rate quote and talk through loan options. No pressure, no obligation. The road to home ownership can be simple with First Federal Bank. Get started with a free quote at ffbkc.com homes. First Federal Bank of Kansas City, because banking is personal. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Hey, this is Blair. There are several ways to access the Star Sports section. Let me tell you about a couple of them. There is Sports Pass. For $12.99 a month, you get unlimited digital access to all of the Star Sports content, including beat writing, columns, features, pretty much everything we write. The deal renews monthly until you tell us to cancel. For $159.99 a year, you get everything the Star has to offer digitally, including sports and the e-edition. Go to KansasCity.com and drop down to the bottom of the page where it says start a subscription for more information. 
Your support has never been more important. As always, thanks for reading and listening. All right, we're talking to Gary Bedore, who covers Kansas. And Gary, I was wondering this morning, since you cover men's basketball as well, when was the last time you covered a, a loss involving Kansas, uh, uh, Kansas football or men's basketball? <laughs> uh, I think it was the TCU basketball game is, was the uh, last loss last year. Um, that was the game where I think Ochai after the game told the guys they weren't going to fizz out and they were going to, they weren't going to let it happen. So, uh, I think it was TCU. Who, who knew Ochai met football as well? You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yep. Yeah. So- I know Christian Brown went to the last game. I believe he's been on Twitter praising the football team. So uh, those guys are now ready to hit the grind of the NBA season because all the camp teams are in camp now, I think. Yep. And KU basketball practice uh, commenced. Yeah. So, but uh, in any other year, we would switch sports immediately and talk about hoop prospects, but we're not doing that now. And for, for good reason, as Kansas went to four and zero in football uh, by beating Duke on on Saturday. This one was a little different, wasn't it, Gary? Because in the previous two games, KU got down early uh, at West Virginia, uh, at Houston, and rallied back and uh, to win both of those games. This one, they were the aggressor from the from the outset, weren't they? Yes, and uh, Duke kind of closed strong in this game. Uh, actually had the ball down eight with uh, a chance to drive all the way down field score, get a two point conversion and force overtime, but that didn't happen. They ran out of downs. KU's defense uh, continues to be okay. Give it, get, they give up a lot of yardage and stuff, but like Leipold said yesterday, he thinks they're really physical and I do too. Um, but in this game, KU led fairly comfortably. They led by 15 with four minutes left, I think. And yet Duke really had the momentum at the end. Uh, But nobody remembers that. KU won and the fans stormed the field and uh, they move on to the Iowa State game with an exciting win under their belt against Duke. What did a a full stadium look like? I I haven't seen one since... Well, I haven't seen one with mostly KU fans yeah. since 07, 08, one of those years. I have seen a full Memorial Stadium with Kansas State fans being the majority uh, in there and even Nebraska fans being the majority of fans. But I've, it's been a long time since I've seen you know, a, a 40, close to 50,000. I think they call it 47 plus. With, yeah. So, and obviously Duke's not going to bring any, you know, they're going to bring very many people to this. So it had to be all KU fans. Yes. You called it. There were, there were no Duke people there in that little section uh, in the East South corner where they sit, yeah. the visiting team. There's, there was nobody there. Uh, 
I mean, it was full of KU fans. This full stadium was was pretty different, but uh, there were, for some reason, in the north end zone, there were a few empty seats. So I know they were all sold, but be, because of that, you know, from our view in the press box, it didn't seem like, oh my gosh, this place has got so many people like Allen Fieldhouse where they, where they squeezed together, yeah. you know, for whatever reason, that little pocket of people in the, in the end zone wasn't full. So it was great. And I'm sure KU's loving it, but um, it didn't seem like Oh, I've never seen this before. So I don't know why that was, but it was it was impressive because the people people have always said KU will come out and support the team if they just are competitive. And I guess that's true. They're fired up the people and uh they're showing up. I I would assume this week will be crowded and that probably sold out, but I would think Iowa State definitely will have some fans for this one. Absolutely, um, they're, they're they're good fans, and we have, we know they're great basketball fans, right? Because we see it at the Big Twelve tournament yeah. in Kansas City every year. But I've been there for many football games as well, and it's a uh, um, I, I I know we're off on a little bit of a tangent here, but I I think Iowa State fans are among the best in the country. The way they support their school through thick and thin, they um, even in down years, they they're not happy with down years, but they show up, and I've always admired. Iowa State fans for that. I hope, you know, with, with these large crowds in Lawrence, I'm hoping that it's not, you know, Kansas certainly isn't used to this. So it's an adjustment, you know, for school officials and for, you know, for, for concessionaires, right? I mean, long lines and yeah. stands and for bathrooms and, you know, it's just a different, it's a different sense about going to a college football game in Lawrence. I, you know, parking, I, I've never had to think about worrying about traffic and parking over there, but you know, <laughs> yeah, these are all, all new, wonderful problems for KU. Yes, and uh, I don't know how the concessions handled it all, but uh, probably if, if you were a smart fan, you know, there's so many places to eat outside the stadium. They've got these trucks now and everything. Yeah. So... I would take care of that before you go in. If you were a fan, go to one of those trucks surrounding the stadium, get some food there. Uh, and then of course the fans want their water, beer, some soft drinks, I would guess. And, you know, I'm sure there's probably been some problems with that just because like you said, they're not, they're not used to it. So, uh, it's so hot out there. I would I would really want to have a bottle of water next to me just in case of emergency. I mean, you never know when you're going to dehydrate up because it was hot. The temperature was supposed 11 a.m. start, but before the game, we were outside the stadium looking for basketball players, and uh, <laughs> and uh, it was hot out there. Yeah, yeah. Um, just a sunny, warm day in the Midwest on on Saturday. So. All right, so Iowa State comes to town, and they're coming in off of a loss, a home loss to Baylor, so they won't be in a good mood. They'll be pretty motivated, yeah. motivated and focused. And this will be the best defense Kansas has seen this year. I, I love the matchup because of this. 
what, what Jalen Daniels and the Kansas offense has done this year is amazing. Um, Iowa State, though, that defense is for real. They lead the Big 12, right, in total defense. Yeah. And it's not because they're good in one or, you know, rushing or passing. They're, they're good at both. They lead the Big 12 in both rushing defense and passing defense. So this is a pretty big test for, for Kansas. Yeah. Um, Iowa State beat Iowa, what was it, 10 to 7. seven so yes. that's a good defensive game. And I think they only have given up 15 points a game or something. But the crazy thing about this game to show you the difference in a year last year in Ames, Iowa state pummeled KU. I think it was 59 to seven. And right now Iowa state is only favored by three points and nobody would be totally shocked if KU won. If KU does win, think of the difference one year makes from getting bludgeoned in Ames 59 to seven to competing with them in Lawrence, it just shows how crazy Leipold's resurrection of the program is and how the portal came at such a good time for KU because they've added a handful of guys that are really good or they're definitely big 12 caliber to go with these returnees who've been coached up and and not just coaching, the kids have done the weight room work and so much improvement and Daniels turning into a real, real solid to great quarterback. So if Kansas beats Iowa State, I will be amazed at the difference in one year from blowout in Ames, where Lance Leipold admitted yesterday that it was a humbling trip to Ames because he he looked at the Iowa State players and said that's a different kind of player, and he looked at their facilities and said, "Wow, these facilities are pretty amazing." So that was the humbling game, and Leipold said he'd like to have his program maybe emulate Iowa State a little bit. So we shall see if there's. <laughs> the major difference between last year and this year. I saw those comments from Leipold, and I think that was interesting that he mentioned, he made a comparison of the facilities, and it's just a little thing, right? It's just, I think it's the first time I've heard him say something like that. And, um, and you, you know, and I think about it in this context, you know, the Nebraska job is open, and yeah. other jobs are going to come open, and Leipold is going to be, his name is already associated with Nebraska and it's going to be associated with other programs as well. Yeah. And when he makes a comparison about facilities, doesn't that send up the, send the signal that, you know, it's, it's time for Kansas to, to invest even more money in facilities just to make sure he gets what he wants to keep him happy in Lawrence. Yep. Um, if he noticed Iowa state's facilities being that much better Iowa State is known as having a great stadium, but I don't think there's compares to Nebraska. Maybe it does now. I don't know. But uh, definitely Kansas, I don't know. I don't know where they're going to get all the money, but they're going to be announcing some kind of major project with the football stadium to add some not just football over there. There's going to be like a convention center, maybe a new hotel or something. Mm -hmm. uh, 
basketball is going to get some more renovations. I think they're going to go to more chair backs and take out some bleachers and stuff and then just fix the second level inside some more and some of the offices. Then you got uh, the money that it's going to take to keep Leipold and his staff. If they win, go to a bowl game, it's not just Nebraska, you know. Yeah. What about the other teams in the Midwest uh, that want, if he goes to a bowl game and turns this thing around that quickly, wow. So Kansas would have to improve not just the football stadium, but probably the office building there and the weight room there. So, and then NIL money, uh, I heard they're getting a big donation that'll guarantee every football player that plays there like schools are doing, it'll guarantee you like 35 or 40,000 just for playing football. So all that, maybe some boosters are coming out of the woodwork, but it's good. (laughs) But in answer to your question, yes, it sounds like he notices Leipold notices other schools facilities and Kansas is going to have to improve them even more. Well, and and now is the time to think about it just because there's so much momentum and good feeling about the program um, just because of what what's happened this year, the end of last year and, and going into this year. So we'll, we'll we'll continue to monitor that and see what happens. So, all right, one last little question, Gary, yes or no, if Kansas wins Saturday, do they enter the top 25? Yeah, I would think so. Um, there are only a few points behind K-State. Uh, so yeah, I would think so. And that'll be another, uh, wild thing. Leipold said yesterday, all the, all the things you'd expect, how they, he doesn't worry about that kind of stuff. But once again, uh, it'll be another sign of his <laughs> being a wizard master rebuilder. If they're in the top 25 after two and 10 a year ago and all those years of misery. Exactly. All right, Gary, really enjoyed it. We'll do it again next week. All right, thanks. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC staff of Monty Davis, Randy Mason, George Howard, and Jeff Rosen, and to our sponsor, First Federal. Their website is ffbkc.com. A tip of the cap to Callis Robinette and Gary Bedore for sharing their insights. Morning Sports Edition was 36 pages today. Read about all the local teams, the Chiefs, the Royals, Mizzou, K-State, KU, Sporting, The Current, plus national stories in the NFL, Major League Baseball, the U.S. men's soccer team, and much more. Go to liveedition.kansascity.com, liveedition.kansascity.com for more information. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sports Beat KC.